Thank you for listening to the official podcast of Everyday Church. We are a body of believers in Oklahoma City with the mission to live out our faith on a daily basis. Let's listen in as we hear a powerful message from God's Word. None of us are perfect. And so really the goal of this series, I know it's a unique series because it's a parenting series, but whether you have kids of your own or whether your kids are grown or even if you are hoping one day that you have kids, we hope and pray that through this series that you're encouraged, that you're filled with grace, uh, but that you're also equipped and challenged uh, to continue to be the parent no matter how hard or tough it is. With that understanding, hey, you're not the perfect parent. And so I kind of want to start this series with this idea and for us to kind of come to this common understanding, this common ground. Parenting is not for wimps, okay? Parenting can be tough. It's like uh, running a blender without the top. It's messy. It's everywhere. But it can be very hard. It's not for wimps. You got to be a tough person to be a parent. But even when it is tough, you're still the parent, okay? Just because it's tough, it's tough doesn't exclude you. It doesn't give you an exemption. It's who you are. If you have been given that opportunity to be a parent, you got to be the parent. In the good, in the bad, in the wet, and in the dry, in the sunny, in the stormy, okay? We are to be the parent. The good news, though, is that parenting is just for a season, all right? There is a In the grand scheme of things, if you look at the big picture, if you are very fortunate and you have the blessing of being a parent, the actual parenting is the authority under your roof really can be a short time, a short period of time that would be this season where they're under your roof and authority. But, okay, parenting is just for a season, but being a parent is for a lifetime. I'm always going to be my kid's parent. I'm always going to pray for them, love on them, care for them. I'm always going to be dad. My wife is always going to be mom, and you will too if you have kids. But I remind myself that I I might only parent them for a decade more, maybe. Who who knows? I do want to kick them out eventually. That is the goal. (laughs) For some of you, I tried, and they, they keep coming back. But the idea is that as the amount of influence that I have with them there is a time frame where it's received, and there is a time frame where that is encouraged and happens, but I'm always going to be dad, okay? No matter what they even think, I'm always going to be dad. I've got a lifetime of being their parent. And so as we enter into this series, I want to encourage all of those in the room, whether you have kids and maybe hope to one day, or you have a, a God has given you another arena of influence as an authority figure with the next generation, or maybe it's grandparents now, your kids are grown or gone, or whatever the case may be. I hope to encourage you and challenge you, but there's a baseline to parenting and that there are parenting essentials. Okay, we're going to look at scripture at what are the parenting essentials. It's, it is a prerequisite when it comes to spiritually raising your kids, those essentials. But as much as there's parenting essentials, there are parenting non-essentials. Those things that try to come in and distract you from the main goal, the, the, the main goal that, and purpose that God has given you. Okay, There are uh, essentials that we should all agree on and understand, but there are going to be many different opinions about the non-essentials. Every one of us in here might land somewhere differently when it comes to these non-essentials, and that's okay. Because even in, in the church, we have essentials. 
There are things that we should have unity around. These essentials, what we believe about God, uh, the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, what we believe about the Bible, what we believe about sin, what we believe about salvation. Those are essential to us as a church. And we have unity around those essentials. But there are some non-essentials as well. And in those non-essentials, we have liberty. We have freedom. We can still be a faith family and disagree on a non-essential. It's not essential to our faith. It could be a preference. It could be an opinion. And we might all land in different places and understand there's different ways to do different things. But they fall in a camp in a category that are not divisive. They try to be in some places, but they're a non-essential. So we keep those in the non-essential category. But the essentials were like, we got unity around. These are a hill we'll fight for. This is what we're about. This is our God-given purpose. And so we have to have unity. And if you don't have unity in our essentials, you need a different faith family. And there are plenty of faith families around. And, and I would love to help you. But on, on the essentials, like we got to be. But listen, there's people in here. I'm talking church world now. We got, we got different opinions on different things. And that's okay. They're not essential to us. Some of you would say, that person's crazy. And that person would say, you crazy. But you still love each other, your brother and sister in Christ, and we're okay. And parenting, there are essentials. And we need to put our energy and effort on those essentials. That's where our focus, our attention must go. Not the non-essentials, where everyone else can be a critic, complain, fight you over, and distract you from the real purpose of being a parent. So I want to start with some essentials. This week in my one-year Bible, I, I, I told you all last week about going back through it. But Jesus reminded me about a responsibility as a parent. Jesus says, and, and this is where we get the whole idea of this series, Matthew chapter 7, verse 9. He says, you parents, if, you, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not, right? Jesus is asking questions that we already know the answer to. Okay, we know. Okay, as a parent, there's no way my son, my daughter, that they need food. They want some fish. I'm like, here, have a snake. You know, that, that's not what we're going to do. We know the answer to it. But here's where we get the idea for this, this series. The title for this series really kind of comes from verse 11. So if you sinful people, Jesus says. Okay, so mom and dad, that's where we're kind of starting this series. Jesus calls these parents sinful, and that's what we're calling you, right? He says, you sinful parents. That's the warm fuzzy you wanted in being a mom or dad. But Jesus, the word that he uses isn't the word we typically would use for sin or would be translated into sin as in missing the mark. The word that he uses actually means full of pain, which is perfect for parenting, right? But he, this, this word is brokenness. There is a fallen nature to us as people. And so when Jesus says, you sinful people or you sinful parents, some translations even say evil, the point he's making is like, you're not perfect. And even though you're not perfect, you know how to take care of your kids. You know that you need to help them. And we're never going to be perfect this side of heaven. We're in the, the not yet. We're, we're in between. 
when we will arrive on the other side of heaven and enter into the glorification process where we'll be made complete and perfect without sin. In the meantime, we're in sanctification. We're becoming more and more like Jesus. We're getting worked on. There's this flesh side that's still being crucified daily, and we're working out our salvation with fear and trembling, trying to, to know the Lord as best as possible, abiding with Jesus and him abiding with us and shaping us more and more Christ-like. Okay, that's the process we're in. And we're not perfect yet. We still make mistakes. You probably made a mistake this morning. I made a mistake probably this morning, for sure yesterday, in arguing with my kids, right? And he says, if even you in that state, even wrestling with the flesh, you know you're going to take care of your kids. Verse 11, he says, so if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more would your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? And so really the first essential that we see here is a parent's responsibility is to provide for their children. That is essential. That's a no-brainer. We get that. Food, clothing, pretty basic essentials. Sometimes we think the essential is to give them everything they ask for. No, that's a want. Okay? That's not essential. Taking care of their needs, essential, necessary. Not necessarily the wants. So we need to remind our kids sometimes, hey, you're wearing clothes you ate today. Be grateful. Okay? I'm taking care of you. I'm helping you. But Jesus, he shares this in the context of prayer. And he explains, you're not perfect, but there is a heavenly father that is the perfect parent. And if we go to him, he will take care of us. But as a parent, we understand. We have this basic, like, I want to take care of my kid to make sure they're okay, they're provided for. We need to have that on lockdown. No brainer. want to make sure they're good. Now, we're going to go to another passage, Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to see some more parenting essentials on the screen. You'll see it. Ephesians chapter 6 says, verse 1, children... Obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. If you're a child in here, which kind of we all are, right? So especially those that are under the roof and the authority of their, kid, or their parents, you need to memorize this verse. <laughs> Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Now, however, even though it addresses children, this applies to parents, okay? Mom and dad. When, when the word of God, God records for us under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that children obey their parents because they belong to the Lord, this is the right thing to do, means that for mom and dad, you are in charge, okay? You are the authority. If the, par- if the, if the child needs to obey the parent, that means the parent is in control, is the authority figure, is the one in charge. God did not give you your child to be your buddy, You are to be the parent, the authority figure. You've got to lay down guidelines. Love and control, two key words for a parent to know. We love them like crazy, but we also have to provide control for our kids. We have to be the boss applesauce, right? We need to make decisions for the family, and kids need to obey you as the authority figure, and that's their responsibility, but That means you are the authority figure. You're the one that should be in control. Then verse 2, honor your father and mother. This is the first command with the promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you and you will have a long life on earth. That's very important to understand. Uh, For a child, obedience is for a season, but honor is for a lifetime. Okay? All of us in this room have had or currently mom and dad are still living or have gone on. But this is for us. Obedience is for a season, but honor is for a lifetime. When we're under their authority, under their roof, under their care, okay, we are to obey. But that does not exempt us from 
honoring. We honor our parents all of our life. I've met some people in their 40s say, I gotta always obey my parents. Listen, the point is we never stop honoring our parents. Obedience is for a season under the roof, but honors for a lifetime. Then we go to Ephesians chapter 6, still verse 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, okay, instead of doing it that way, provoking children to anger by how you treat them, rather, bring them up, raise them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. So here's some essentials we want to provide for our kids. Essentials. You got to have them. We're the authority over, over our children. That's in a parenting essential. You got to focus on that. You're the boss, Applesauce. Just like I said, you're the parent. That's who you are. That's an essential. And then here's two more. We're to discipline our children and we're to teach them in the ways of the Lord. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Paul writes this, that we're to discipline them, teach them, instruct them in the ways of the Lord. So mom and dad, don't quit teaching your kid. Okay, and, and not just ABCs, one, two, threes, but teach them about God. Teach them about Jesus. Teach them the ways of the Lord. And then, kids, we're to listen. Proverbs 1, 8, my child, listen when your father corrects you. There's that kind of discipline. Don't neglect your mother's instruction. Proverbs 1, reading that in my one-year Bible. This is very important for us. You shouldn't think it's up to our family pastor, Nico, to disciple your kid. Oh, it's Nico's job. No. If, if your child is back there, that's a very healthy and great thing to allow um, godly people to pour into your kids. But ultimately, he's not the primary discipler of your kids. He's got them for an hour here today. You think that's enough? No. It's your responsibility. That's what God has given you to be the primary teacher, to ultimately be the primary discipler of your children. Well, that takes me to Deuteronomy chapter 6. This is a parenting essential passage, verse 5. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. Basically, with all that you have, you, gotta, you need to pour it into love, the love of God. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. So, parent, mom and dad, it starts with you worshiping God with all that you have. Grandma, grandpa, whoever you may be, and, and any authority that you have over a child, it starts with you modeling this incredible, intense love for God. Modeling a healthy relationship with God. Not one that's completely perfect, because I'm not perfect, you're not perfect. We've established that. We're not the perfect parent. But we love God. Love covers a multitude of sins. And so we love God like crazy. We've talked about how he's not just number one. He's our everything. He's our all in all. He is our God, our Lord. We commit ourselves to his teaching. We know his word. We know the commands that he gives in verse 7. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands. Wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorpost of your house, your house and on your gates. The idea is to have it before you constantly, the word of God before you, and you're teaching that constantly to your kids. Now, you can't skip the first one. You've got to love the Lord. You've you got to practice what you preach. It doesn't mean you're perfect again. 
I can remember having conversations with my father, who's not the perfect parent. Like, I'm not the perfect parent. And then having that little back and forth between, well, you're not living it, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Okay? And we can establish with our kids, I'm not perfect, but I'm doing my best. But I can tell you, I love God. And we love him with all that we have. And then as we live out that relationship with God, we talk about it. There are times in my life that we've had to make a decision and we always try to tie it back to scripture so our kids can see this is how God is leading us. You know why we started this or we moved to this place or we did this? It's because in the word of God, he put it on our heart. Or Izzy, you know how this one situation completely changed because we prayed and God gave me this verse to claim. And you tie it back to scripture. So you live out this faith but you can't just live it out and not talk about it. That's not going to be good enough as a parent. Okay, It's an essential, you live it out, but it's an essential, you tie it back to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, to God Almighty. There needs to be conversations in your home about how you love God, how you're not perfect, but how you're pursuing Him. There needs to be conversations in your home. There needs to be instruction about the Lord. There needs to be the discipline of the Lord. There needs to be a time of thanking God for all that he has done and provided for your family from the time you get up to the time you go to sleep. There is a saturation of God. Now, listen, that should be your life, right? As a follower of Jesus, he should be on the forefront of your mind. It's just who you are. It's an identity. That's why we're called Everyday Church. This ain't a Sunday thing where we're just Christians today. I did my Christian duty. I showed up at the gathering, and now I go live like hell. That's not what we're about. Because who we are in Christ, I'm a son of the king. You're a son or daughter of the king if you put your faith and trust in Jesus. And when we walk out those doors, that don't change. I'm still adopted by the grace of God by putting my faith and trust in Jesus. And he has grafted me into the vine. He's adopted me into his family, and I'm his. And that doesn't change because I left this building. In fact, it probably hurts me to be in this building. I don't know why. I wish I had a joke for it, but I'm just saying it out loud. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay, so point is I can be anywhere, and I'm his king. And so I, he's on my mind. He's on my heart. I'm, I'm trying to live out this life, life by faith, not by sight. And then hopefully bringing my kids on the journey with me and said, hey, you know, God did this. God did that. I'm praying for God to do this. I'm praying for God to to, to intervene, to step in. And they're a part of the trip. They're a part of the journey. This is an essential for a parent. Now, I want to encourage you because you hear some of these. You're like, the only essential I got is I provide for my kids. <laughs> don't beat yourself up. Okay, don't, don't be so deflated that you think, well, I'm not even going to try. It's too late for me. It's not too late. We can start today. With the idea that you're not going to do it perfectly, but we're going to pursue Christ the best way that we can. And we're going to try and teach and focus on these essentials. Don't give up. And then also don't look at other people and think, oh, they've got it so figured out that it's not even worth trying. Because they have this picturesque family and my family looks nothing like it. That's PR parenting. That's People put their highlight reels on social media while you're comparing your worst day to their best day. And you end up... With your eyes on the non-essentials or even in a comparison type of setting. And you forget that, hey, that's let them be them. You be you. Just put your eyes on Christ. Put your eyes on the essentials of a parent and keep moving forward. We've all seen people on Facebook, Instagram. that They're matchety-matchety people. They go to the beach and they take those beautiful pictures, you know. And you think, gosh, 
How could they do all this? And they put the, yeah, that, they think, oh, what a sweet couple. Then you look what really is happening. This is what's really happening. Ki- <laughs> kids are dying, okay? You don't get to see this part unless they think it'll go viral and, the, you know, get a big kick out of it. But life can be crazy and messy, but you, you don't focus on this picture. You're comparing yourself to the one that's edited. You, you, you're looking at the edited life, whoever it is that you put on a pedestal or you've deemed like their great parents without knowing the hard work, the trials, the tribulation, the battles that go on. Don't take your eyes off the essentials. Don't put them on the wrong thing. Don't put them on the wrong group. Don't put them on edited life, highlight reels. Don't put them on non-essential stuff. You be who God's called you to be. Don't get distracted. Don't let your eyes off the essentials to the non-essentials. Now, we get worked up about so many non-essentials. I, I, I could bring, and I'm going, to, I'm going to go there. I'm going to bring up some non-essentials today. And we can have a variety of opinions. And you, you might, and probably so, because I can be opinionated, you're going to differ than me on some of these issues. You can have your opinion and I can have mine because guess what? A healthy person is not threatened by the opinions of another person. If you're healthy, it don't matter. Doesn't mean you're perfect, but you're secure enough to know we can't. In the non-essentials, there's liberty. There is freedom. We can have different viewpoints and still be okay. Some of you, and you're going to be sitting by people. People across from you, behind you, by you, that, that probably look at life differently than you do when it comes to some non-essential stuff. Your parents might be in here, and they parent different than you parent, and that's okay. There can be differences. It's all right. But just to have some fun, let's go to some non-essential. Okay, these aren't the essential stuff. It's non-essential stuff. What about this one right here? <gasps> Whoa, you mean that you gave your child or your baby formula? Yeah. Some people would actually say, oh, you can never do that. That is the devil. You know, most of what we eat is from some formula, <laughs> some chemistry lab, chemistry lab that put together our food. It's kind of crazy. But listen, we can have different opinions. When... when Kim came to me and was like, I don't think Isaac is eating enough. His weight is down. We're going to have to do formula. This this breastfeeding is hard. We've got to try something different. I said, no, he's not having formula. She said, why not? I said, I don't want him to go to community college. (laughs) I'm teasing, okay? We're on non-essential stuff. Might as well have some fun with it. That never happened, okay? That conversation (laughs) never happened. We're just having fun. Just go with it. Not, not a real conversation. But it's non-essential. We don't need to get distracted and make things a big deal that aren't a big deal. What about this one right here? Oh, boy. The binky, the pacifier, whatever you want to call it. Some people say, you can't do that. We let Izzy have a pacifier. Did two and a half. Sure, she can't pronounce her S's. But she can get all the other letters. <laughs> 25 out of 26 ain't bad. Again, not true. Having fun. I don't like pacifiers, honestly, but that's okay if you do. Our kids used them early on, and anytime they'd fall asleep, I'm taking that thing out. I did not want them to come dependent on it, but dependent upon it. And that, that's me. I'm, I'm wired differently than you are, more than likely. Pop that puppy out, hide it, and finally, 
It, it, it didn't take too long, but they didn't need it anymore. But, yeah, there was a season they had it. Listen, non-issue, okay? It, it, this is a non-essential. There's, there's no time we need to argue and take our eyes off what really matters over a silly binky. What about this one? A lot of people argue about the family bed. I don't know how those feet, where the, where the rest of that body is going. <laughs> but it can happen. Now, I do like my dog in the bed, but that's it. She's cuddly. But so, people are going to have different opinions on this. Some people are like, hey, the kids can be in the bed with us. I'm like, I don't know how you have more kids. But, you know, maybe you're like, we don't want more kids. And so hop in, everybody. Let's go. Right? But that, me and my wife, there were even conversations about it. I'm like, no, this is our bed. We're keeping this our bed. And it's a non-essential, though. Some people look at it differently than I do. Whatever. It's a non-essential. Now, let's be careful. Let's get to some controversial ones, right? Those aren't controversial enough. So let's go to these. What about school? Okay, so, boy, public school versus private school versus home school. And there are churches that elevate one over another. And I'm just telling you, that's not going to be us because it's a non-essential, in my opinion. We have family that argue to a certain degree over homeschool or private or public. And it's a waste of positive energy to get into a battle over a choice that you can make as long as you keep the essential. I'm the primary discipler. I'm the primary teacher, which doesn't necessarily mean ABCs, one, two, threes. But of knowing the Lord, I know it's on me, and we're going to take care of this, and we're going to do this. It shouldn't be a battle between people, and we're not going to elevate one over the other because there's liberty and non-essentials. Now, the next one is where angels dare to try. What about vaccines? Uh-oh. Oh, I hear it. I hear the murmuring. Boy, you want to fight? Post the word vaccine, okay? And then you're going to have a good toe-to-toe with people all over about what's right, what's wrong. Listen, let me be careful here. It's a non-essential. All right? Now, some people have strong opinions. There are highly respected people that, that, view th- that can still be friends and view it one way and view it the other. And there are people like that out there. You think it would be hard to, but you can there's liberty, there's freedom and non-essentials. It's going to be, for me, a non-essential in this series. One more, technology. Okay, this one, grandmas and grandpa, okay, we, we love your help in a lot of things, but you didn't raise kids with the type of technology that's out today. And so it's a tricky question sometimes. You don't have to answer questions like, when, when do you allow them to have their first mobile device? What kind of filters do you need or what are necessary? How much time do they get on the device or devices? Do they play video games like Fortnite at a young age because they're shooting people? And all these types of questions that can come up like it was Donkey Kong throwing barrels and now it's looking through a scope. You know, it, we obviously live in such a different time but I would put mobile devices into the non-essential camp. As long as you put your focus on the essentials, then everything else will line up. But I, I can't say for this family, you better only say 30 minutes. and this family, you say an hour. What? I, I can't find that necessarily in Scripture. But we can go to the Scripture and we can seek the Lord and understand what our role is as a parent to set the limits, to set the control. But you've got to pray and seek the Lord through these things. But it's a whole waste of energy to start battling one another on non-essentials. Now, some of you maybe would say, I, I've, 
I feel like I've done a good job with the essentials, but my, my kids aren't listening. Don't stop. Right? Some of you are like, I'm, I'm tired of, of fighting through some of this stuff. I get it. I'm reading this Strong-Willed Child book right now by James Thompson, and there are some incredibly tough situations out there. I would encourage you, I want to encourage you, that if you're dealing with regret or guilt or hurt, don't quit. Okay, You're still the parent. You still have a responsibility. Focus on the essentials as best as possible. And don't let up control. You're still the authority figure. One time Paul, who was a spiritual father to many believers, I, I, what he wrote reminded me of, of what it would be like as a parent in disciplining our kids. He had to write this harsh letter to a church in Corinth. And it was a, a letter of discipline. He was correcting them from choices that the, he had made. And he was very harsh with them and called them to repent of their sin, to change their ways, turn to the Lord, and to quit doing what they were doing. And as a parent, we can relate to this because there's, there's a heaviness to it. In 2 Corinthians 2, he says, I wrote that letter in great anguish with a troubled heart and many tears. See, if, if you don't spank or... or Discipline and whatever the choice, and dis some discipline is a non-essential. But whatever your form, if you do that in anger, sometimes like, man, this is easy to discipline. Like, but when you really have a moment where you have to discipline your child, and you're not in a moment of passion or emotion, but you know discipline is the right thing, it can be very hard. It can be troubling. And he's saying, I'm troubled over these choices. I wrote that letter in great anguish with a troubled heart and many tears. I didn't want to grieve you, but I wanted to let you know how much love I have for you. It hurt me more than it hurt you, okay, is, is what he's saying. I'm troubled over your choices. I don't want to hurt you. That's not the point of discipline. He's saying, I want you to know I really do love you, and that's why I have to write this. This is why I'm acting on the authority God has given me. God has given me authority over you as the planter of this church, as leading you into the Lord, as your spiritual father. I have to let you know this. And he wrote the letter. And it was hard for him, but he had to do it. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7, we, we read about the regret he had. He's like, no, no, it's not regret anymore. Verse, verse 8 of 2 Corinthians 7, 8, he says, I'm not sorry that I sent that severe, severe letter to you. That was the one, again, like we're talking about, where he disciplined them. It's not 1 Corinthians. It's in between 1 and 2 Corinthians. We don't have that letter, but it was harsh. He says, I'm not sorry that I sent that severe letter to you, though I was sorry at first. Okay, again, it was hard. I, he didn't want to send it. It was very difficult. It was very painful. It says, though I was sorry at first, for I know it was painful to you for a little while. I know that it hurt your heart. I know that it was hard to read. I know that you've received it that way. It says, now I'm glad I sent it, not because it hurt you. And it did. It said, but, the, but because the pain caused you to repent and change your ways, it was the kind of sorrow God wants his people to have. So you are not harmed by us in any way. It's like, even though this was painful, this was for your good. Verse 10, for the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. That's godly sorrow. It leads us to repentance. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow. But worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, it just makes you sad. It, it hurts. It results in spiritual death. See, Peter experienced the, the godly sorrow after his denial of Christ. He denied Christ, but he experienced godly sorrow. He repented. But Judas, in his betrayal of Jesus, he, he did not have godly sorrow. He had worldly sorrow, which ultimately led to even his own death. 
In our discipline of our kids, we're going for godly sorrow. That's the goal, repentance, forgiveness, freedom that can only be found in Jesus. But we've got to step into those moments. We can't just back off. We've got to be the parent. And I know it can be hard, and it's easier to quit sometimes. But we've got to continue to provide discipline out of a spirit of love. And so in the few moments we have left, I want to hopefully give you some encouraging thoughts. I would love for you to write it down as a parent that even though you're not the perfect parent and you can feel defeated, I want to hopefully encourage you to step into some freedom, step into some grace today with these encouraging thoughts. Number one, give yourself permission to learn and grow. Okay, Give yourself permission to learn and grow. You're not perfect. So you have to start with that. I'm growing as a follower of Christ. Some of you are brand new as a follower of Christ. Some of you are just now really starting to mature in your faith. Give yourself permission. Okay, you are going to mess up. Don't beat yourself up. Don't quit. Don't go the other way. You would want to give your child freedom. You'd want to give them permission to learn and grow. Give yourself that. Allow yourself. Some of you are mature. Guess what? We're still a work in progress. Some of you have been falling across a while. Like me, I have to do this. I have to give myself. Okay, John, you can learn and grow through this. Because you know what? Even though I've been a Christian a long time, I haven't been a parent a long time. 11 years. That's still not long enough because each season is a new season. So we've got to give ourselves permission to learn and grow. Give yourself grace. Number two, stop explaining and defending yourself to critics. It's not worth it. The energy, the effort, it's not worth it. You're putting your eyes on non-essentials. You don't have to defend your choice about the pacifier. You don't, okay? Be smart. You don't need to do it. Ask for wisdom from the Lord. Seek him. You don't have to use that energy that you would be seeking the Lord, defending yourself in the eyes of people. Forget about it. I know it's easier to say because some people just feel like, oh, I got to defend myself. Don't worry about it. You be who God's called you to be. Grow in your wisdom. Use your energy on the essentials, not the non-essentials. Three, apologize to your kids, but don't demand forgiveness. This is very important. Okay? Both of them are. One, you need to apologize. You need to be a parent that is not so prideful that you can't step up to the plate and say, you know what? I did blow that one. Ephesians 6, 4 about do not provoke your kids to anger. That's written for me in many ways because sometimes I want to be the loudest voice in the room. And, and what I'm saying is, is needs to be heard, but how I said it was not the right way to say it. Rio, who I coach, I probably ought to apologize to him because I yell at those kids when I'm coaching sometimes way more than I do my, my, my own family. But there are times where it's like, hey, hang on. Okay, I'm sorry for that. And we don't need to put the caveat and try to explain it away. It's like, hey, Isaac, daddy, daddy messed that one up. Will you forgive me? Okay, now. You say, will you forgive me? Because when you apologize, you can't then demand, now forgive me for my apology. Okay, then that's not really an apology. You're just trying to look for something to make you feel better. You need to, but a kid will understand a genuine spirit, will understand authenticity. If you just own it and say, you know what, I'm not perfect. And I, I do admit that I, bl- I blew that one. That, that one's on me. Would you please forgive me? And you know what? It might be a couple times a week, three times a week, whatever it is, you need to Mirror that and be honest with that and provide that. And then say, give me, please, please, would you give me a big old hug? I'm sorry. But you can't demand the forgiveness part. you got to let them process that. And if you got grown kids, same thing that applies. There could be a world of hurt and there could be pain there. Just give a genuine apology 
and let them have the time to deal with it. You put it out there. You sought the forgiveness and let them handle that. You can't demand it, but you can't apologize. Four, be the adult without expecting your child to return the favor. Be the adult, but don't expect your child to return the favor. They're kids. So when you compliment a child, don't sit there and say, well, there's something you'd like to say to me. Don't I look good today, do? Wasn't I a good boy? She's four, okay? She's got nothing to say to you. You're the adult. You don't need to find your identity through their approval. And I will tell you this, from coach world to student ministry days to life, I see parents that try to live through their kids, and their identity is not from who they are in Christ. It's the success of their child athletically, academically, popularity. I lived in the South a while, and that one was the one that really reigned supreme. You be the homecoming queen. You have the most friends, and we're going to put all this money into this because it wasn't really to set up their child for success. It was like, I'm trying to live through this because I didn't have these things. You be the adult. Let them be the kid. Don't expect them to be the adult or return that favor. You be who you're supposed to be. Love, keep your, your eyes on the essentials. Five, keep your mouth shut and the welcome mat out. I saw this, or uh, the keep your mouth shut and, and the welcome mat out comes from a book on parenting and specifically adult children. It talks about that if you have uh, adult children who are making choices that you don't agree with, they don't need to see your disapproval every time they show up. That They don't need to know your disapproval every time they're around. You just keep the welcome mat out and you let them know, hey, you're welcome. Don't let your past, your regret, your guilt, the choices even that your kids are making now keep you from spending time together. Now, there are boundaries that should be in place and there are situations where you know it would be toxic. It's okay to have those boundaries up and to keep the, the, the safety rails around and things at bay, which is fine. But the overall Emphasis would be, let them know, hey, there is a welcome at out. Anytime you want to come see me, I'm available. Do you enable them for sin? No. Do you encourage them to, to live a life that, that you are not approving, approving of? No. But the welcome at says, if you need me, I'm right here. I'll pray with you. I'll love on you. I'll give you some wisdom and encouragement that at best that I can. I'm here. Six, and lastly, seek encouragement advice and advice from older parents. And if you're not a parent in the room today, maybe you're young. I, I didn't uh, get married till 30. Isaac came when I was 32. When I would hear parenting series, I'd take notes because I knew that's what I wanted one day. And I wanted to learn from the wisdom of those that were ahead. No matter what season of life, if it's like, hey, one day I want to soak this in, be around parents. I, I can remember as a non-parent being around a, a couple in Broken Arrow that had like eight kids or something like that. But those were the best eight kids. And I was amazed how eight kids could behave so well. I stole one of their things from them, which actually came from a book reading later. But the, the, the young kid would, would go up to his dad and touch his dad, letting him know he wanted to say something, but he would not interrupt his dad. And I was like, who does that? That is amazing. And so we try really hard for our kids to do that, and they're like three out of ten. They'll do it right. But it was something like, that's a, look, be around older parents and learn. Seek them. Don't just let it happen 
intentionally seek out older parents. Paul told Titus this in Titus 2. These older women must train the younger women to love their husbands and their children. It was mandated. Hey, tell the older ones. And if you're an older one today, be around the younger ones on purpose. Younger ones, seek out the older ones to get wisdom and advice. Find a grandma that can help you, okay? She used to let her kids pick up cigarette butts and eat them. And and her kids were okay. Her kids drank out of the water hose. And they're fine. They'd go on trips and grandma putting them in the the back where the the window was. And we strap them in like we're going to outer space. But their kids were fine, right? Of course, there were some accidents along the way. That's why we now strap them in. But forget about that. Just know that there's some wisdom and some encouragement there. Listen, today, I, I want to encourage you. I know there's a variety of lives in this room. Some of you are in the midst of raising kids. Some of you, it's, it's happened over years. And some of you, it, it's a thought in the future. And some of you, maybe it's not even something interesting to you at all. I pray that today, that you would allow yourself to experience grace. And maybe today, it applied to you in a different way. But if you are a parent I, I want to, my prayer is that today you, you, you find freedom, you find grace, but you also find a resolve, I'm going all in. I'm not going to mess with the non-essential stuff. I'm not going to get all worked up about that stuff, but boy, I am going to get worked up about what matters. I take care of my kids. I provide for them. I love God with all that I have, and I teach them, and I discipline them in the ways of the Lord. I model that, live it out. And teach it. And so I want to encourage you right now. No matter what season of life. I want to enter into a time of prayer. I'm going to ask Libby to come. She did such a great job this morning. I want you to come lead us. And uh, in this time of response. Where if the Lord is speaking to you in any way. That you're able to connect with him. And process this. Because I think sometimes the danger is. That we meet with the Lord. And then we forget about it once we leave this room. And we never go back. We thought oh I really should apply that. Or I should really chew on that. Or I should really pray for that. But then we say, see you later, and you don't do it because you go back to life, and life happens, and it's way far from your mind. And so let's take a moment and allow the Holy Spirit to minister us in very personal ways. So would you bow your heads and close your eyes? You know, I, I believe the Holy Spirit can speak to you very personally and very specifically about something that was said. There's no doubt. And so if there's already something on your heart you know you need to process or pray for, would you do that right now? But maybe for those that are kind of like, I don't know what to do. Would you start with grace and just allow yourself to be forgiven? And maybe that's just saying, hey, God, you know what? I, I, I haven't put my energy and effort on the essentials like I should have. And so would you just please forgive me for that? Listen, God's got forgiveness. He's got grace. His design is perfect, but he knows that we're not. And so his grace is there. So pray for that. Sit in that freedom today, that grace. My parents weren't perfect, absolutely. But I know they did the best that they could. And the Lord did the rest. And so then pray for your kids. Or if you would like to one day, even now, God, if you allow me to have that, pray over them. be grown 
They could be wayward. They could be in the womb. Pray. And as a parent, pray that you would put that energy and effort on what matters. And the main thing would be the main thing. You would lead with forgiveness. You would lead with grace. You would lead with love. But you would be the boss. Because that's who God created you to be. As mom, as dad. You're the the leader. Pray you'd lead them. In the admonition or in the knowing of the Lord. under his anointing and inspiration. As you pray, seek him, meet with him. And when you want to join with Libby and the rest of us, sing out. This is Pastor John. Thank you so much for listening to the Everyday Church Podcast. For more information on us or if you happen to make a spiritual decision during this message, please let us know and go to our website, www.everyday.church. There's an email link that you can click on and we would love to hear from you. If there's anything going on that has happened during this message, if the Lord has spoken to you or you made a decision to follow Jesus Christ. Also, if there's a prayer request or concern, then you can email us and we would love to take the time to pray for you and respond in any way that we can. Again, thank you so much for listening. God bless.